How about this for a cold open at my very first hockey game? Welcome to Let's Get Two, your tour of America through the lens of minor league baseball. Baseball from sea to shining sea. And now, the first pitch. Opening thoughts from James Christopher. Presented by BaseballMapper.com. And this is Let's Get To, and I am your host, James Christopher. And yeah, I had a great time at the hockey game. Uh, it was fun. It was fast. It was engaging. I love the ambiance. I love all of it. And it's just not a sport I ever grew up with. I mean, I'm from Houston, Texas, so we see ice like eight times in my lifetime down there. So it was a lot of fun to check it out. I don't know how much I'll follow it like on TV and stuff, but anytime I can get to go to a game, I'll definitely go. And if Houston were to get a team... All in would be doing like, let's get two skates or something. I'd actually call the podcast toe pick. I think that'd be fantastic. We do have some other really cool news though. And that is that this past week, week or so, MILB and Major League Baseball announced the return to the classic league names. That means the Texas League is back, the California League, the Pacific Coast League, the International League, and on and on and on. And it was interesting to sort of see the reaction on social media from maybe fans who were purely Major League Baseball fans and and don't really mind the sort of utilitarian uh, league names we had before. All I can say is it's important for the connection to history. In many cases, these leagues have been around as long as Major League Baseball. Uh, The Texas League has been around since the 1880s. There's a lot of history baked in, and it's as lame to throw it away as it is when, you know, Action Comics decided to go back to zero in their numbering, and then they decided to go back to 995 when they were near 1,000. Like, really? Just don't do that. It's such an integral part of the history of the sport. Uh, Baseball is not purely a thing enjoyed by 30 major league cities. It is a thing that is part of our culture. It is part of how we grew up, a lot of us. And the history of the game is really in small towns, small communities, and it's reflected in those leagues. So I, for one, am excited. I think it was an amazing move by both Major League Baseball and the MILB. Uh, So again, kudos to them, and I'm just so excited that it's back, and some of them even have some pretty cool new logos. We do have a great show for you today. We're going to be visiting the Inland Empire 66ers. Ben Hill is here. One of our good friends, Eric the Peanut Guy, stops in for a visit, so stay with us. On the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas. Who's on first? Who? The Let's the Get Two Team of the Week. Who? The guy on first base. Who Presented by the Baseball Bucket List Podcast. Me? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. I'm asking you who's on first. Let's... And we're excited to be back with friend of the show, Steve Went from your Inland Empire 66ers. He is the voice of the 66ers. How's it going, Steve? It's going great. It's great to see you. You're, uh, you're going to be one of our early episodes. You're about three weeks from uh, opening day for you guys as we record this. How stoked are you to get back? 
I am ready. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I usually take about a week or two to detox at the end of a season. And then I, I'm looking for opening day the next year pretty quickly. So uh, I, I've been waiting for this. It's been circled. With two years that were admittedly very weird, including a year <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, how good does it feel that this one might just be sort of normal? I mean, I don't know what the restrictions are going to be for media at the minor league level, but it seems like we should be kind of normal. Yeah, it, it seems like it's that way. I feel like I'm kind of dipping my toe back into a pool I've already been in to check the the temperature because it's, you know, it's been a while and, and I am waiting for, you know, the other shoe to drop. Oh, we, we're not doing that yet, but very minor inconveniences if, if they do happen. I'm just happy that there'll be fans in the ballpark and there'll be uh, kids playing ball trying to make their dreams come true. So uh, I'm eager for that, and I'm eager for a little sense of normalcy. It'll feel weird at first, but I think we'll we'll ease back into it. One of the things that I, w- I really applaud uh, the affiliated minor league teams for doing was reminding everyone during the lockout that no matter what happens, we're starting on time. Uh, a couple questions, and how important was that to your fan base to let them know and to differentiate the fact that not everybody understands the way the affiliations work? But also, are you, I mean, are you also excited that it is back, that, that we'll have all, baseball at all levels going? Yeah, I th- it's bad for baseball as a whole for there not to be Major League Baseball, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think if we did have the season without the big leaguers playing, we still obviously would have had the season, but it, it just casts a pall over everything. And we would be answering questions that we don't have answers to. <laughs> We'd be trying to answer them. Uh, you know, how does this affect these guys? Well, you know, the 66ers are low A. It's really not affecting many of them. But right. um, but it is, you know, it's just, it's, for lack of a better term, it's just bad for baseball to have that kind of acrimony and to have that uncertainty, um, you know. And, and it would have been weird, too, also for the minor league teams because you have a, a bit of a tightrope to walk where you're trying to say, yeah, we're playing – Those guys aren't. Well, guess what? Those guys have, they're the governing body now of minor league baseball. So uh, you had to, I think that would have been a little touch and go for some teams trying to market versus trying not to upset the apple cart with the big clubs. Yeah, that's a great point because you're right. They are now are controlling everything in minor league baseball. Yeah. I mean, the, the, Individual owners still have control of their own franchises, but for the most part, there are obviously a few franchises the big league club operates. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's no longer league offices and and minor league baseball as its own entity with an agreement with major league baseball. Major league baseball is running the show, um, you know, and for the better in, in some instances, and and to be seen on some others. Um. Great way to put that, by the way, to be seen. I like that's how I need to start phrasing it. Um, <laughs> you mentioned league offices, though, and, you know, I think we talked about it sort of offline on Twitter when it happened, and I was just punched in the gut when the Texas League went away. That's the league that I know. Uh, California League, the league names are back. Uh, yeah. does, how important is that to you to see though that, that old uh, nomenclature returning? Uh, it's important. I mean, you know, I there's so much history in the leagues. Um, it matters. I mean, obviously they've been they've been tweaked before and things like that. But uh, you know, the I think I I said the uh, elevation, direction, and and alphabet uh, affiliations <laughs> that we had. I 
I, you know, I still don't understand the, all the four reasons why they did it. I don't understand all the reasons why it's back, but I'm, I'm just glad that it's just a little bit of a return to normalcy. And, you know, it, it part of baseball is built on traditions. It's built on the ruins of itself. Yeah. And, and California league, you know, it's been around since the forties and Texas league is incredible history. I mean, Texas, Texas league is, I mean, there's a, there's a, a play in baseball named after the Texas league, you know, it is part of the culture of the game. Right. And so uh, having those back is, I think is great. You know, the Pacific coast league, even though there's very few teams on the Pacific coast anymore, but uh, I, you know, the PCL is Joe DiMaggio playing the PCL, you know, the, it's cool to have it back. It needs to be back. And I'm glad it is. I'm absolutely agree- in agreement on you on that. And, and just, the idea that it does look a little different. Now, something is new, and this is a question you're probably not prepared for, but oh, Bernie has a Twitter account now. I just saw that yesterday, I think. Yeah. Uh, Bernie the mascot. So, uh, yeah, I I am, uh, I am get asked a lot whether I run the Twitter for the team, and I do not, and I certainly won't be running Bernie. I, I would just think it's – I don't even know if he has thumbs to, to type. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know how that works. But I just uh, – I just want you to be aware if he starts to get sort of angry at fans, just tell him less time on social media. He'll, yeah, feel, yeah. he'll, he'll feel better about things. I, I don't know if I'm the best. You can ask my family. I don't know if I'm the best person to uh, lecture anyone about not getting angry at Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah. That, <laughs> that's fair. Um, but talk about something that's, that's fun to talk about like a little bit from both on field and then kind of promotional fan experience stuff. What are some things we can look forward to this year at the ballpark? Uh, a lot of cool things. Uh, you know, one of the things with the minor league front office is it's great when you have continuity. Um, but over the last few years, um, some longtime employees have moved on to, to, you know, advance their career and things like that. And new people have come in and there's been kind of new blood and new ideas and new ways to look at it. So I think we've kept a lot of our cool promotions, but we've added to them and, and made some neat things. Um, uh, one of the things, I mean, there's, there's just so many, you know, we're, we're doing a promo almost every night, just our normal, you know, the, the Jeep beers and the bring your dog to the ballpark and things like that, uh, which everyone counts on and loves, but um, we're doing, you'll love this as a movie guy. We're doing a villains night and then we're doing a Marvel night. Uh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if you want to do a Marvel villains night, can combine them, but we're going to split those up. Um, other things like I, you know, when you're a certain age, how, I don't know if you did pub trivia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pub trivia is the best. Like, you know, and then you have kids and you're like, oh gosh, I'm never going to go to pub trivia again. Well, now you can, because they're going to do a pregame at the ballpark. Um, just kind of neat things that I've never seen. I've never seen that at a ballpark. Me neither. Um, yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, I think that's a, a cool thing. And then, uh, you know, we're going to be doing uh, a, a really neat thing. And I think this will hit home in Texas a little bit, same as California, uh, we're going to do a weekend uh, called Pachuco night and then a Pachuco bobblehead. And, and if for fans who aren't familiar, there's um, kind of a subculture, if you will, within Mexican culture of the Pachuco kind of the zoot suit and the almost, I don't want to, I don't want to lump it into rockabilly on the, on the gal side, but kind of, <laughs> right. kind of, kind of a, a subculture that is about unity and, a, and it's born from maybe a, a little bit of conflict and, and, and assimilation, but has turned itself into this amazing subculture um, that is big in Southern California, that is big in, in Texas, especially like yeah. El Paso and stuff like that. 
And so uh, I think that's, I've never seen anything like that. And I think that's super cool. And I, I think it speaks a little bit to the inclusiveness of the 66ers. You know, we've been doing the Copa de Diversion for a few seasons now, and that'll be back uh, as the Los Cucuis. Um, that's still my favorite Copa look. Like it's, it's scary. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I just, I, I still have the original one. It's one of the few hats that hasn't moved yeah my display in my main office it's real good good um but i think this even you know more than that i love that initiative and i think this is even a step beyond that um but you know we're gonna have a native american heritage night Um, oh great you know our uh partner is the san manuel band of mission indians uh in in southern california and they have been an incredible partner and while we've had uh, you know, displays and things like that before. I don't think we've ever really dedicated a specific night to it. Um, and I think that'll be a big hit. So uh, lots of cool stuff and new stuff, but then, you know, we're, we're bringing back the cherubs as the, the baby angels, uh, which we did, we've done the last couple of years and, and uh, we're, Oh, we're also doing a ska punk night. Oh my! I've never seen at a at a ballpark. I've never seen so, that either. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. I think all the no doubt you can handle, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, and <laughs> I think that uh, you know the last couple of years, obviously, we geared up for a year that the the rug was pulled out from under us right before the season started a, a couple of years back, and then you know we we're just trying to get through last year, you know. Yeah. And so I I. I'm really excited for the people that work in the front office that I think they've come up with a really cool schedule and it, a lot of, you can tell a lot of brainstorming and a lot of, you know, jotting down an idea to maybe six months from now, bring it back up. And I, I think they've put together a pretty fun uh, schedule that fans will like. One of the things I love about Copa, particularly Copa in California and the Copa in Texas, it feels a little bit more authentic than say, the Copa in Michigan, when they just add Los to the beginning of whatever their, their name is. And that's, you know, it's obviously a culture that we have in both of our states. Um, but just how important is that to you to have Native American night? Um, the the Wilmington Blue Rocks are having a Jewish heritage night uh, that we'll be at. How important is it to kind of reach out to everybody in that community and say, you're welcome here? Yeah, I think it's important. I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're welcome here. Yes. It's also, you, you are here. You're, we're all here. This is part of who we are here. Uh, and that's one thing that the Sam Manuel band of mission Indians has always done, um, you know, and that their support for the inland empire com- uh, community uh, is vast. Um, and so uh, I think that it, it's a good reminder that they're not just the name on the ballpark. It's, you know, it's, it's a people and it's a culture. Um, but I, I love those nights where, um, you do single out, you know, things people should be proud of. It's not saying one, well, you know, one group over another group. It's saying, let's celebrate this group tonight. I, you know, the, for years, the San Jose giants have done an incredible job with their, uh, heritage nights and stuff like that. And I think that, uh, uh, they're to be commended over the years. Uh, I think that's a really cool thing. I think that we do it pretty well. I think San Jose does it great. And I think that, uh, celebrating diversity is only a positive. It's definitely something I wish um, major. That's one of the one of the many things I think Major League Baseball could learn. Um, you know, for you know, I'm a big Astros fan, so we'll do like sort of a like a Louisiana night to acknowledge the fact that we have a lot of fans there. But I think 
acknowledging the fact that particularly major league baseball is in big metropolitan cities. There's a lot of people that make up those cities. So I think definitely even from the sort of mercenary perspective of it increases your fan base, who's buying tickets and buying dogs and buying hats. Right. I think it's just a thing that major league baseball could definitely borrow. I was, you know, San Francisco has done a pretty good job with it over the years. Um, obviously the parent club of San Jose, uh, I was at Filipino Heritage Night one night at, uh, well, I'm trying to think, I think it was Pac Bell at the time, uh, what it was named, which sponsor, forget what year versus what sponsor, but uh, <laughs> but it doesn't matter, the ballpark's amazing. Uh, but Filipino Heritage Night was incredible. Uh, and and in the Bay Area, it's a big deal, and it was it was a cool night, and I think that certain teams have done it right, and I agree with you that certain teams could uh, definitely get on the bandwagon and, and look at themselves in the mirror a little bit. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Particularly, unfortunately, some of the teams in my own home state that probably need to get to the program. But this is not a political show. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Back now we're going to play a little rapid fire. So you oh, ready? No. Okay. All right. What is your go-to ballpark eat? Uh, I mean, hot dogs. I mean, the, you know, the hot dog. But uh, I've had too many in my life, so I try to do a salad now before the game. Wow. Okay. I guess it, I guess it makes sense. Um, all right. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Because I'm because I'm not a comic book guy. I'm a movie guy. Okay. And and I like light and airy and funny. And sometimes those DC movies feel like I'm at a mortuary. There's a. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. There's a joke going around where on a Marvel set you say lights, camera, action, and on a DC set you just say camera, action. Who needs light? <laughs> um, Though I did love the new Batman film, so for what it's I worth. haven't seen it yet. I'll, I'll 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 reserve judgment. I really thought it was great. It's long, so go to the bathroom before you get there. Um, okay. All right. What is your what is the strangest thing you've ever seen at a ballpark? Oh my gosh, that is boy, you're making me go through the memory banks because <laughs> every day there's strange stuff. Uh, I, you know, the, the weirdest one I can think of just off the top of my head is I, I called a game with a snake delay once um, called the, geez, the ballpark isn't even there anymore. They tore that down. But uh, right fielder starts running around in circles and pointing and pointing and pointing. And it's a hot night. And I'm like, what's going on? And finally, I could see. And it was about a three and a half, four foot snake just slithering around out in right field. So they had to figure out how to catch it and get it out of there uh, to which a couple of players volunteered. They were sent out a bat boy first. And it was like, that's a bad idea. Like <laughs> this kid's already past his bedtime. Uh, but yeah, it, they got a, a bat in a bucket and, and took care of it. But uh, trying to figure out why the right fielder is losing his skull was <laughs> especially for a young broadcaster. I didn't have that in my bag of tricks yet. <laughs> I bet not. Yeah. I don't know if I would have stayed at the ballpark after that. Yeah. Um, outside of the 66ers, what is your favorite brand in all of baseball? Oh, wow. Uh, geez, that's a really good question. I, I never really even thought of that. Um, you know, I know there are teams that have great branding, uh, even in our league, obviously Lake Elsinore is the eyes of the storm or, are iconic um but boy i think um i mean for me just what i grew up with the the home whites of the oakland a's with the the green and gold you know i, I always thought that was uh, always clean but funky with the white cleats and all that um but boy that's that's a question 
there's so many good logos and, and brandings out there. I'm not sure. I like a lot of the new ones. At first I didn't, I thought they were a little goofy and, and out to lunch on uh, some of them. And now, <laughs> yeah. and now I'm like, actually, that's, that's pretty cool. Like the Akron rubber ducks and stuff like that. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, anytime something starts to feel like the seventies for me, I get really right into it. Like, like those old Oakland A's gold and green jerseys were just oh, yeah. epic. epic. You know what? Also, and you actually, I, behind you, you have, oh, geez, you have an Akron Rubber Ducks. I just noticed that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. power, power of suggestion. But also, I, I do enjoy the, the branding that involves the state logo. Uh, you know, the first I saw when the Brewers did it with the Wisconsin, you know, they had the Wisconsin in the background with the M logo. Um, I do like that. I, I, I think that that's always a cool look as well. So when they incorporate their, their home state into the logo, I like that. I love that too. I think also it's fun because California and Texas have unique looks. So it yeah. kind of looks different on a hat yeah. versus right. Nebraska or something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That one might be a little tough. <laughs> Maybe a little boring. Um, all right. Are you dog cat, dog person or cat person? I'm a dog person. Star Wars or Jaws? Star Wars. Kevin Costner as a cowboy or a ball player? As a ball player. Okay. Um, what was the first time baseball broke your heart? Oh, geez. You know, yeah, boy, it broke my heart a bunch of times in, in the late 80s. Uh, uh, one was Kirk Gibson limping up and hitting a home run against uh, Dennis Eckersley. Uh, you know, uh, but also playing. You, when you, you start playing games when you're 10, 11, 12, and you have so much invested and, you know, losing in the city championships like that. I remember that, like, just rip my guts out they were just yeah. spilled out um so so i learned from a fan standpoint and as a player standpoint that boy this thing it's gonna beat you up <laughs> you gotta so love it because it it's gonna beat you up i think of kurt gibson i think of this epic moment in baseball because yeah. i didn't really care I, I wasn't rooting i think i was rooting for oakland over it because as a nl west guy at the time the yeah. dodgers and the astros were always just like this oh yeah yeah um, but it's, it's a lot like the home run in 2019 that people thought, Oh, that was epic. And it just stabbed me right through the soul. Sure. So. Sure. You know, and I was actually, uh, I was sitting behind home plate. We lucked out in the incredible seats during the playoffs when Jeter made his backhand flip at, at the open Coliseum. Uh, I was there. I, wa I watched that play. You, you know, you see the camera angle of Jeter running by I, that was my angle also. Uh, and so I was an adult then, or a young adult, and that was a, you know, yet another reminder that uh, of being 12 years old and having having your guts ripped out. Yeah, my first one was uh, losing in 13 to the Mets in '86. That was that was the first time where I realized, oh, this game can really suck sometimes. All right, when you series. Go, when you go to the ballpark, yes, where do you like to sit? Are you uh, first base, third base? Are you behind home plate? Where do you like to sit? I usually will be more towards an on deck circle okay. either side. Yeah. I kind of, I don't want to necessarily be straight behind, uh, but I want to be close. All right. And last question, we are getting ready for the season to start. I use movies to get jacked. What is your go-to baseball movie? Gosh, I have a ton, but bad news bears is to me the most underrated and my favorite. I've never seen it. I know you haven't. I, I'm going to see it though. I'm going to watch it this weekend. You, you must, and, and you will be 
entertained on the authentic. It's the most authentic movie. Uh, I had a, I have a, a great friend whose father was a homicide detective and we were sitting around once and he's like, I'm like, well, do you like any of these, these investigation shows? And he's like, no, they're stupid. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, you don't find evidence like that. And you don't just <laughs> send it to the lab and they come up with some guy out of nowhere. You know, he said the most accurate cop show ever is Barney Miller. Okay. Like you go in and out of the station you have you're bringing weirdos in and out with you <laughs> every cop is his own character with his own baggage and but at the end of the day you all do your job and you are just in the middle of this weird part of society and i'm like all right bad news bears to me is the most authentic baseball movie the little the little league parents the arguing the drunks and obviously these days, you can't get a, away with what they did in, in that movie. But it still, to me, is the most authentic. The kids are the most authentic. Well, I will be watching it before the season starts, so I will let you know what I think. Um, Steve, again, thanks so much for jumping on. You're one of the best in the business. I can't wait to listen to you. Steve went of the Inland Empire 66ers. Thanks for joining. Let's get to you. My pleasure. Raiders of the Lost Diamond, digging into baseball's past. Presented by Thin Lake Media Design. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? I'm pretty sure that the producer of this segment, Andrew Nelson, put that in there just to see if I'd do it. And all I can say to that is, ball's in your court, my friend. Do you have spirit? This is Raiders of the Lost Diamond, and we've got a great segment coming for you today. We're going to be looking at the history of baseball in San Bernardino. Today on Raiders of the Lost Diamond, we're talking about the San Bernardino spirit. The spirit were born in 1987 when the Ventura Valley Gulls were located to San Bernardino. The home of the spirit was Fiscalini Field. Built in 1934, Fiscalini Field has hosted spring training for the Pittsburgh Pirates and St. Louis Browns, as well as the minor league San Bernardino Stars and the Pioneers. After a lackluster first season, the Spirit picked up an affiliation with the Seattle Mariners and as a result, a slew of future major leaguers. On the mound, the Spirit featured journeymen Scott Bankhead, Dave Burba, Rich DeLucia, and Jeff Nelson. But the main attraction was a kid in the outfield and at the plate. That's right, the kid. Ken Griffey Jr. The 18-year-old Griffey wasn't in San Bernardino long, appearing in just 58 games. Griffey slashed 338, 451, 575, with 11 home runs and 32 stolen bases, before being promoted to AA Vermont. Famously, Ken Griffey Jr.'s upper deck rookie card is a picture from San Bernardino that was airbrushed to have a Mariner's cap. In 1989, the Spirit also rose to the top of the Southern Division standings for the first time with an 83-59 record. The following year would see a current Mariner star rehabbing in San Bernardino. Omar Vizquel played six games at shortstop for the Spirit, collecting seven hits. The Spirit continued for two more unremarkable seasons as the Mariners' Cal League affiliate before moving to Rancho Cucamonga and becoming the Quakes. The citizens of San Bernardino wouldn't go without minor league baseball for long, though. 
1993, the Selena Spurs moved to town and the spirit was reborn. On deck, the Let's Get To interview. Brought to you by Marco Fine Arts. So we are excited to welcome to the On Deck segment, Ben Hill, longtime friend of the show, the namesake for our person of the year, new dad. Uh, ben, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going well. Yeah, I'll never get over being a namesake, but I always appreciate it. And uh, yeah, new dad. I guess it's still new, but uh, still new. He, turned one, he turned one last month, so uh Entering a whole new phase of development, but that uh, keeps me on my toes for sure and uh, makes being a minor league baseball writer a little more difficult because there's just so much more to, to balance. It makes me glad that, you know, I kind of delayed uh, getting in the fatherhood game because I'm not sure I would have been able to have done what I did throughout my 30s if I'd been a little more uh, proactive on the uh, procreation front. <laughs> proactive on the procreation. I love it. Yeah, my grandson's playing his first season of Little League this year. So it's like, how did that happen? You were in my arms in 2018 and now hopefully actually playing a, a serviceable second base. We'll see. Um, oh, I, I have faith. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, every time we've had you on the last few times, it's always been about some weirdness in the season, be it the season that didn't happen, be it the season will it, won't they? How much are you sort of looking forward to actually having what feels like some degree of normalcy going forward this year? Yeah, I mean, a lot. I mean, for what you just mentioned, uh, it's been three, you have to go back to opening day 2019 to find a semblance of, uh, you know, normalcy as uh, regards minor league baseball um, because of COVID, which obviously you know, wiped out 2020 and really uh, resulted in the delay to 2021. And that was in conjunction with the reorganization of the minor leagues and, you know, down to 120 teams and a lot of changes there. So, uh, you know, you know all this, and I'm sure a lot of people listening and watching this uh, know that. But to enter 2022, um, yes, it's a different landscape than 2019, but it's stable, and they're starting in April. And I think for myself and you and a lot of people, it's saying, okay, it's opening day in April, ready to go, a lot of baseball ready to go. And even though there are less teams in the minor league landscape, I mean, a lot of those teams, the vast majority of the ones that aren't officially in the minors, you know, have... Uh, through summer collegiate and indie ball, you know, those are still places to check out and, uh, you know, still places to explore. So just a lot of baseball uh, coming soon. And, you know, I haven't added up the days, but now that I'm thinking about it now, three years, that's over a thousand days. We're talking what, 1100 days uh, since we entered a baseball season with something resembling normalcy on the minor league front. And uh, that means a lot. I wanted to ask you about that. The because you're right, we did lose some teams, but then we've seen the adopt the adoption of uh, partner leagues or the the MLB creating two collegiate summer leagues themselves. Has that expanded your coverage? I mean, does that mean you still get to sort of make those same connections? Or are you focused purely on the affiliated as we go for forward this year? Yeah, that's a good question. For now, um, I'm still largely affiliated in my focus. Uh, you know, bigger picture, I'm trying to find ways. Uh, to expand out and, you know, include as much under uh, my personal umbrella or tent or purview or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and certainly I'm still trying to pay attention to those teams. I have a lot of affinity for them. Um, you know, I don't want to play favorites, but, you know, the Appy and Pioneer League, um, you know, which were short season rookie and now Pioneer League is uh, independent and Appalachian League is, you know, collegiate short season. Um, 
those are just such great places to explore uh, for different reasons. And, you know, so I always kind of got my eyes on them, seeing what they're up to. And uh, hopefully, you know, down the line, we'll find more and more ways to, to incorporate, you know, everything under the, the biggest baseball tent, you know, possible. One of the things that whenever the contraction thing happened, I was very doom and gloom on the show. Um, and I, I have to feel like last year, at least it worked out better than I thought actually like it seems like the independent clubs most of them found their footing the appy league was way more interesting at least to me than others i mean would you say that's fair that it really it really actually wasn't this this sort of doomsday scenario people were painting yeah i would i mean i think um you know massive change is is always difficult and i understand um a lot of the you know fear that comes with it and it was an uncertain time but i do think when these leagues found new life and, and found new ways to operate that there was a lot of good that also comes out of it that maybe wasn't apparent at first. And I know you could talk to some of those teams uh, who say not, not all, everyone. And I don't want to, you can't speak in, you can't ever speak in blanket statements when you're talking about minor league baseball, professional baseball, because uh, there's just so many different scenarios and front offices and markets and ballparks. Um, but I, I know that some of those leagues are saying, wow, we never would have thought of this in the past, but now operating independently, it brings this whole new element that we didn't know or operating summer collegiately. It brings this whole new element or the Appy league, you know, which had previously just been 10 teams named after the parent club. Right. You know, we've never really had a, a essentially a league wide rebranding where it was 10 new teams, 10 new logos. Um, and more local stories and more personality. So I think as we adjust to this, um, you know, there will always be positives and negatives with any scenario that just has, you know, such a vast range of scale and impact. But I do think there are uh, more positives than probably were apparent at first when people were just, you know, adjusting to a new reality and having that reality happen on top of the lost season that was COVID. So I understand it's, it's a lot to process all at once. You know, I'm trying to think of like a, an analogy for, you know, in your personal life where you go through something and you're like, how can I deal with this? And then later you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or this never would have happened if I hadn't gone through that. And I'll refrain from getting too deep in that analogy. It could could, could get personal, but you know what I mean? I think a lot of time when you have the chance to process and really look at the new reality, say like, you know, I think the fear of what may be is often far worse than the reality of what is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, you made a great, a great existential point. Um, so let's talk about this season coming up. I mean, do you have any big trips you're excited about? I mean, and how are you going to balance that with, with the kiddo? Yeah, it's been different. I mean, from t- 2010 through 2019, you know, it morphed through the years, but a big part of my summer was just getting on the road, especially on the, in those early years when I didn't really know what I was doing, didn't know how long I'd be able to do it for, had so many places to get to. It was uh, pretty nonstop there for a while. And, um, you know, now being a little bit of a veteran in what I do and having a kid at home, um, it is going to be a little more muted. I I think my strategy now is, well, one, to make sure I get to the places I've never been to, you know, at least in the affiliated landscape, which at this point is, uh, you know, St. Paul, uh, you know, which joined a previous independent, became affiliated uh, heading into last season. Same thing with Sugarland and your neck of the woods, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Beloit, their new ballpark, haven't been there yet. And Wichita, bringing uh, affiliated baseball back to Kansas after a little uh, break in the action there. So those are like my four priorities. Um, hopefully I can get a little bit more. You know, it's kind of been a, I don't want to quite say an irony of my job, but I've lived in New York City the entire time I've had it. And I didn't get a car until less than a year ago. So, um, 
so despite the reputation and the reality of traveling, um, I'm still pretty new to having a car and just being able to not deal with the hassle and expense and, you know, rigmarole. That's the word I like. Yeah. Uh, just, um, you know, incorporating that in the road trip. So hopefully I can get some more local stuff uh, in as well and maybe just hit some local favorites. I mean, I live right off the Q train. I can get the, the Brooklyn Cyclones in, you know, 25 minutes. So you should get to the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones on, April, on August 4th because I'll be there. All right, there you go. Um, that's a it's a strong possibility. So I haven't put together my uh, 2022 itineraries yet. I'm always a little bit delayed in doing that. Um, and also, I generally don't like to travel too much during April with the weather and teams kind sure. of getting their bearings. I kind of like to, uh, you know, wait till you know school's out and there's uh, bigger nights on the promo calendars and just a more of like full bloom peak minor league baseball feeling. And uh, as I'm traveling a little less than I used to, it is easier to kind of prioritize peak summer is getting out there. So TBD, but uh, I definitely have some plans and I'll definitely be out there in some capacity. Um, Before we jump into some fun rapid fire stuff, I do want to, one of the things that did come out of the contraction was a losing of the historical league names, which are now back. And I'm trying to explain to people why this matters. So can you maybe do it better than I do? Why does it matter that it's still that it's the Texas League or the California League again? Well, I'm not sure if I can do it better than you can because I have not yet heard your attempt, but uh, it's not a competition. Um, yeah, I think it's really important. And we talked about this a lot. We uh, a lot last week on the show before the show, MILB.com podcast. And you know, I wrote an article about it, trying to break it down and have certainly been talking a lot about it on Twitter. And it was you know, I said that to people, you know, in this, in the larger spectrum of being a baseball fan, you know, the league minor league baseball league names might not seem like that big a deal, but if you work in minor league baseball or a huge fan and you obsess over that world, uh, it means a lot because these league names, you know, a lot of them go back more than a century, almost all of them go back, you know, many, many decades. And so there's a sense of continuity and putting things in perspective and league records and just this, uh, you know, historical history that you can trace back through the decades. And last year when those names were not around, which did have some, you know, legal factors, you know, during the the overall transition of minor league baseball and Mm. restructuring, you know, there were legal rights to some of those names that needed to be required, um, acquired. And, um, but yeah, as part of a uh, entering a whole new era in minor league baseball and then having the league names just be level and geographic signifier, um, you know, didn't have too much personality to it. And uh, it seemed, you know, divested from the history that came before. So I think now being able to say like, no, it's not the AAA East, it's the International League. And the International League goes back to the 19th century. And it used to be international for real because there was teams in Canada and there was a team in Cuba for a while and et cetera. And, uh, you know, connecting to it, you know, this is the league, uh, like the International League, where Jackie Robinson played in 1946 for Montreal when it was right. still truly international. Right. And et cetera, et cetera. We could go down every single league name and every single league history, connect what is there today to what came before. And, you know, I think that's important in all sports, but in baseball, probably more than any sport, because I think fans in baseball, national pastime, cliche, blah, blah, blah. But it's true. Just a deep love and respect for the history of the game. And I think it's really important to connect that. There you go. You nailed it. All right, let's play a little rapid fire. This is fun. I think it's fun. Um, All right, Ben, put your thinking cap on. What is your go to ballpark food? Go to ballpark food. Well, you know, as you know, uh, being a guy with celiac disease over the last decade, that's uh, limited my options. So I would say uh, what I generally look for, and it should be gluten-free in every scenario, and it usually is, but nachos. 
Um, you know, I'm a big fan of nachos anyway. You know, I can make do with the the low grade nachos of just some chips and a little cheap little, plastic container with the dip. Yeah. Yeah. With the little dip in the side. Although when it's that format, there's never enough cheese in that little corner container. And that's very frustrating, but you know, a lot of teams, you know, have creative nachos. And so if we're getting ambitious here, you know, someone who grew up in the Philadelphia area and I can no longer really have cheese steaks being, you know, on bread and that's got gluten. Uh, there are multiple places where I've seen, you know, Philly cheesesteak nachos. So if that's a go-to for me, whenever I can get it with, uh, you know, the chopped meat and cheese, you know, if you're really being authentic to Philadelphia, there's some cheese whiz, uh, you know, onions, maybe some jalapenos, um, you know, something like that, but nachos in general, uh, for sure. Something I look okay. for, uh, Marvel or DC. You know, I always feel a little out of the cultural loop, but even going back to being a kid, never been too much of a, uh, superhero guy um i think i just say marvel just because i have respect for stan lee and uh, the the world he created i'm sure there's some great creators in dc but um yeah stan lee and american icon and, and what he created and i do remember like in spider-man when i was a kid but i'm not one to to go too deep into the superheroes my interests are <laughs> Deep and wide, but somehow I've never quite uh, gotten too far into that well, world. Well, then we won't book you on our new comic book show that's dropping in July. We'll 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 keep you off that one. All right, what's yeah, the strangest so, thing you've seen in a ballpark? Strangest? Uh, oh boy, these sort of questions are always so tough to uh, narrow down because it's it's a world of strangeness out there, and there's been uh, so many strange memories. And then when I'm pressed, I'm like, oh, well, which one do I choose? Then, you know, it's easy to blank. And even right now, I'm just sort of talking without answering because I'm like, what am I going to say right here? Um, you know, some of my favorite memories are, um, you know, teams just getting through the day, even when it didn't occur as planned. For some reason, something that came to my mind is uh, being in Frisco, the Frisco Rough Riders on a Saturday night, and they had fireworks. And during the game, there was a vicious Texas thunderstorm, you know, two hour delay, almost the entire ballpark cleared out, but they got the game resumed, finish it in awful weather. And then at like, you know, 11 something at night with like 200 fans in the stands, they still do the full Saturday oh, night display. And I kind of love that sort of thing. That show must go on mentality. So why my mind went to that? I don't know, but I think that's some of my strangest thing is like the, the show must go on, uh, you know, when the fireworks come after a rain delay or, you know, a big theme night uh, gets derailed in any number of ways, but you're like, Hey, this is what we plan to do tonight. And we're still going to do it. Uh, yeah. I completely agree. All right. Uh, what is your favorite team brand in baseball? Favorite team brand in baseball. Wow. I mean, so many, I mean, growing up in the Philadelphia area, there's just the childhood part of me that says, Hey, the Phillies, you know, the Phillies, yeah. why not? You know, you, you take that name for granted, the Philadelphia Phillies, because it's just been there my whole life, but it's a pretty funny name for a team, you know? It'd be like, like the what, the Houston Houston's, you know? <laughs> you mean the Houston Texans, which is the dumbest name? Yeah, that, that's sports? pretty close. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's, it's kind of a strange name, but um, so that's my sort of sentimental favorite. Um, man, team brand in baseball. Um, Boy, you know, I don't really like to pick affiliated teams because I cover them all and I don't want to just be like, ah, this is, you know, my favorite team uh, for whatever reason. So, you know, I'll just say that. I'll just say the Philadelphia Phillies. Perfect. And uh, if you ask me about any others, I'm sure I have opinions on them. I know that's a bit of a cop out answer. 
the well, I think the Philadelphia Phillies in the seventies had some of the best uniforms in baseball. So, um, all right, yeah. we, uh, dogs or cats? I'm definitely a cats guy. I mean, you can't not love dogs. Um, but you know, I've had cats. I have a cat right now, and uh, I've had cats in my life more so than dogs. And uh, being a New York City uh, resident for 20 years, you know, a lot of people have dogs in the city, but me with traveling a lot, it's apartment living, I've never really had a dog of my own. So I, I don't have that personal relationship. And if I could say one thing, I don't want to say it's controversial, but sometimes I feel like the internet loves dogs too much. I mean, I know dogs are wonderful. I love that we're recording this on national puppy day, by the way. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and look, <laughs> I, I love dogs. I'm not going to say a bad thing about dogs, but sometimes I feel the love for dogs on the internet is a little disingenuous. Like was your timeline really that cleansed by a picture of a cute dog? Did it make your day that much better? But Hey, maybe it does for some people. Who am I to judge other people's happiness or what gives them happiness? And, you know, I just went down this controversial path and perhaps I shouldn't have. (laughs) No, it's great. Last question then. Uh, Kevin Costner as a cowboy or a ball player? Hmm. I mean, I have to say a ball player because I guess uh, I'm sure he's been a cowboy several occasions, but, you know, I guess he's a cowboy on Yellowstone. Is that kind of the thing? Yeah. So I have not seen Yellowstone, um, but I've seen Field of Dreams. So, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, Bull Durham. And I have not seen that other one. What is it like for the love love of the game? It's really, it's, you should check it out. It's really good. Yeah. So I still need to see that. Maybe I'll start envisioning him as a golfer. And if I go see Tin Cup, you know, you yes, just never know. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, he's just in my mind more baseball than cowboy. So I just have to go with that. I want to see a, a, a sort of Paramount Plus show where he's like managing, he's Crash Davis managing a minor league team. I think that would be amazing. But maybe, maybe, maybe you can, you and I can write that someday. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, you think what, what year did Bull Durham take place roughly? Like 83, 84. Yeah. So kind of bring that to much closer to the present day. And yeah, that'd be amazing. Maybe to have him wearing ridiculous theme jerseys as he's uh, this minor league <laughs> legend, you know? Change, uh, yeah. I, I, we, we need to get working on that. Ben, thanks so much for jumping on. Let's get to you. And thank you so much for being a big part of the show. No, always a pleasure. Great talking to you. Let's Get To presents Swinging for the Fences, inspirational stories from the game of baseball. And so we're excited to be back on our first edition of Swinging for the Fences. We've got the peanut guy himself, Eric Mertens, is here. Eric, how's it going? Hey, it is so, it's so good to see you again. Um, I'm at my mom's house, and she just told me to tell you hi right before I jumped on. Hi, Mom. So, <laughs> Mom, Jim says hi back. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell her later. Good. Um, first of all, let's show off the Jersey. Cause that okay. is, that's sweet. So tell us what you're, what Thank are you, you wearing today, Eric? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like the direction this segment's going. Um, this is like a fashion show. Yeah. Um, okay. I full disclosure. I just got back from a full body massage. My first one in like six months. And um, I feel so relaxed. And I was wearing a polo shirt for work, and I was like, "This isn't going to cut it. I'm going to, I'm going to be on Let's Get Two. I need to wear something Dust Devils." So um, this is a specialty jersey from a few years back when we were uh, the Tri City Dust Devils were an affiliate with the San Diego Padres. So it's got the brown and gold. Um, 
what do they call that? What's the nickname for this one? Like the Taco Bell? I don't actually know, but it's beautiful. Thank you. You're it is. It's it's beautiful. Like we might check check eBay and see if there's any, yeah. any floating around. Yeah, um, there, there's a great photo of Ty France wearing this jersey in the Dust Devils clubhouse. And as a Mariners fan who's excited we have a good first baseman again, who is Ty France? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's connections. <laughs> um, I want to let's let's before we dive into 2022, and, and you know, for the audience out there, this 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 um, segment's going to become a really regular thing where we're going to look at just sort of the good that minor league baseball is doing in the community. But you know, I, we always want to catch up with you first and give a frame of reference. So, talk to me a little bit about 2021 and you guys moving from a short season affiliate to full season. Yeah. How did that How did that change uh, affect you? How did it go? Um, everyone in the Tri-Cities, Washington was a huge fan, huge fan, because what it, what it basically comes down to is more baseball. And um, I think I've mentioned it before. The Tri-Cities, Washington is not maybe the most um, famous community in Washington state. You think of Seattle, Tacoma, Spokane, sure. maybe even Walla Walla, Washington, because it's fun to say. Um, but the Tri-Cities <laughs> is one of the fastest growing parts of the Northwest Um, and it's a great community and we love our baseball here. We love baseball. It's warm. Um, it's sunny. You've been here. It's, it's, it's kind of a great geography and weather to play and watch baseball. So, um, we were kind of interested. We were kind of, um, wondering how the fans would react, but man, they came to all the games and there's more baseball and here's, here's the best part. Um, when we were short season, we would only play from like June 15th to, you know, early September. And so we couldn't have any day games because in the tri cities during the summer, it's like a hundred, a hundred, 105, 110, yeah. some bad days. Um, but because now we're starting in April and we're going a little bit later in September, we were able to have day games and it was glorious. So we're, we're happy. Day baseball is, is the absolute best. All right, so let's 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 get our heads firmly planted in 2022. As we record this, uh, you've got about two ish, two and a half weeks before the season starts. Um, how relieved are you to be able to walk into 2022 and have it feel more normal than 2021 did? Yes, very very um, relieved and happy. Even though last year was our first year as a full season, it was still a shortened season because of COVID. Right. <clears throat> so our opening day last year was like May 4th or May 5th. Oh, it was May 4th. It was May 4th. Yeah. It was like May the 4th be with you. And yet of... no one was able to have a license. I, yeah, <laughs> I know. And on opening day, it would have been. It was just, oh, God. Dang yeah. Um, but this year, our, our home opener is April 12th. Um, opening day on the road for, for the Dust Devils is April 8th. And it just feels like we're getting back into it. I moved, I just recently moved back full-time to the Tri-Cities from Spokane, right. Washington, so I could be closer to the team and the ballpark. Um, and I'm very excited because last year I wasn't able, no one was able to interact with the players on the field. Um, so when it came, one of our best on-field promotions is when I interview a player, like in front of the first base dugout, and we have some funny questions. It's kind of like, 20 questions like get to know it's called 60 seconds with the dust devil and you have some lightning round questions well we weren't able to do that last year um we have a really famous uh, some teams do this um it's pretty famous here but we we call it dusty's dash 
where kids chase the mascot from the left field foul pole to the right field foul pole in the middle of the game. This is why and- Dusty got a buckle from us because yes, that's <laughs> tough. that is tough work. Oh my gosh. By the way, thanks for the, for the buckles. They, Absolutely. We'll be wearing those with pride. So anyway, these things we weren't able to do last year, we're going to be able to do this year. Um, talking into a microphone with a face mask was a challenge. Um, yeah. I tried five different kinds of face masks. I finally found one that kind of worked and hopefully that won't be too much of an issue this year. So I just, I, I just was thinking about just, you're right. How, how awkward. I mean, I remember for, for the fans at home, when we were, in, when we were there, you're doing your stick, but you're like, you couldn't be farther away from any human person, Yeah, you know? And it was just, yeah. and we get it. Like, I understand why all of it, but it does feel nice to just like, knock on wood, it feels like things are going to be regular. Right. Yeah. And you know, anything could happen. Um, and I've been playing it pretty safe with my mom now that I'm crashing at her place, but, um, on the back of some of my old baseball cards, it would literally say like, come give me a high five or, you know, come give me a hug. Cause I'm, I'm a hugger. I love, you know, communicating love and appreciation with high fives and a little bit of touch, nothing creepy or anything, but you know, and, <laughs> and we, I, I was avoiding people last year. I was doing like elbow bumps, air fives. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be real dust devils baseball this season. I hope so. Um, one of the things that, that I wanted to bring up and, you know, Paul Caputo, uh, who's, I know a mutual friend of both of ours just organized a big donation drive for Ed's fund. And we, we talked about Ed's fund last year and, and what that means. And I think one of the things that makes your baseball community stand out, um, what's it mean to you to see that story now getting much bigger in, in large part, thanks to Paul's efforts? I'm so glad you asked this. Thank you. Um, I'm still <clears throat> blown away. I'm floored. It just happened yesterday. Yesterday was my dad's 70th birthday. My dad passed away five years ago and, um, he used to surprise people at Giza stadium with with anonymous gifts and surprises. And so Ed's fund, for those who don't know, came about because after he died, fans started handing me money to continue his legacy. And then at the same time, the front office for the Dust Devils started donating items to just keep giving out to kids, people with special needs, um, special fans, maybe first time at a game, whatever. So Ed's fund is really like a grassroots community thing and then thanks to you, Jim, I really do thank you. You were the first one to kind of make it um, known outside of the Tri-Cities. Mm-hmm. You asked me about it on, on the show last year or more. Was it yeah, it was, la- it was after we got back. So last. Oh, year. OK, right. Yeah. yeah, it was last year. And and then some of the other guys that are in our minor league baseball community heard about it. They're spreading the word. So yesterday I woke up really missing dad. Um, and I was pretty sad. And then I had kind of forgotten for a minute. I'm ashamed to say that it was his 70th birthday. Right. And, and that really hit me because he's not here to celebrate that. Like he more than anyone, I know I'm biased, but he really deserved to like have a, a monumental birthday to look back on his great life and for us to celebrate him and for us to thank him. And, and he's not here for that. And so <clears throat> at work, um, I was kind of sneaking away to the bathroom and crying a little bit and um, found myself not really wanting to tell anyone at work about, about dad, even though I always do, but yesterday I was just too sad. 
And I usually, I'm ashamed to say I'm on Twitter way too much. So I usually, <laughs> and you, you know, if you're on Twitter more than five minutes a day, it's probably too much. Aren't we all? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I wasn't able to check it at all until lunchtime during my lunch break. And I get on Twitter and there's like dozens and dozens of notifications and all these beautiful people, you included, that I really look up to in our baseball community were like, it was like a campaign to spread the word about my dad and to get donations for Ed's fund. And um, so thank you, Jim, for posting about it, for spreading the word. Huge thank you to Paul Caputo. Absolutely. The, yeah. Um, baseball by design uh, host for organizing that. I, that, that there's moments like this that reaffirm that this is more than just some people having fun with podcasts. This is a community. This is about friendship and a family. And um, I couldn't be more grateful. Yeah. I'll, you know, and I'll speak to that too. Like from the, it was so fun because Paul had formed a big Twitter message to rally the troops, people that love you, that were, that, that are close to you. And I have taken Twitter notifications off my phone because Smart. because it, it gets too much, right? And, yeah. and you're you're just bombarded. And then you know I, I have to stream the games, and so like I'll get a oh they lost, oh while you know, you're so watching, like whatever. Yeah. Um. And, but I turned it back on, uh, because I was trying to see where Carlos Correa was going to go, right? Right. <laughs> and then I see all these messages, and it's just everybody's like, hey, how do we get this organized? And you know. I agree with you. I think it says something about our community. And I think that we owe that to baseball. I think, you know, I don't know if Ed funds Ed's fun exists. If you are Eric, the peanut guy for an XFL team, right? Like there's yeah. something about baseball that does that. Yes. That's a great point. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of all sports, especially minor league sports, whether it's football, hockey, whatever, but you're right, man. Um, baseball is special in that. I mean, we've talked about this, but baseball connects generations mm -hmm. unlike other sports. And I know, I know other sports do. I know for a fact they do. But you got to be honest. There's something special about sitting down with your pops or your grandpa or your daughter or your wife or whoever um, at a ball game. And you got three hours to watch the sunset, to smell the kettle corn and the grilled yeah, yeah. onions and uh, to hear maybe like an old time brass band when you walk through the front gates. I mean, it's like nostalgia um, in real time. And yeah. that's, that's what I, you know, when, when dad passed away that day, my dear friend, Ann Shively, who works in the front office for the dust devils, um, she texted me, to say how shocked and sorry she was because my dad loved the front office and they all loved him too. And the first thing she said was, if you need to come to the ballpark by yourself and just spend some time on the field, just let me know. And it was kind of confusing at first because right. I was like, well, well, I want to be with my family and I, I want to go to a church. That's, that's important to me. I want to pray and I want to be near where my dad's stuff is. But then I thought like, Oh my gosh, she, that's exactly what baseball is. Right. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And, you know, I guess as we sort of wrap up this portion of the talk, you, you got to know you're loved. And uh, I think you are a really good example. Um, I think one of the reasons why we've gotten so close is that you're so unabashedly 
positive and genuine in a world that's less and less that every day. So uh, you're an easy guy to root for. Um, Thank you. But, oh, and real quick too, before we get into the fun rapid fire stuff, um, you talked about the nostalgia. Just real quick, how much does it mean to you to have the California League back? Because for me, yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I do love the California League. Um, but I'm, I'm even more excited to have the Northwest league back, which is the league the dust devils are in. Oh, that's um, right. My bad. Yeah. There's no, a lot of baseball okay. out there, dude. I was born in California. I was born just North. of. Why the did dust I think it was the California <laughs> league? Oh my no, God. It's great. I mean, I'm a West coast guy, you know, Do I have I to give it. up my show now. Is that is absolutely that not just unplug well, everything. That's what they get for taking away the, those names for a year. Now, no one knows where we are, but, um, it means dude, as soon as they, the, not just the names of the leagues coming back but the logos of the leagues come yeah. back because, you know, as we know, and Paul Caputo is the prime example, logos mean something, colors, font, design. So, um, and I'm very, I mean, I know you're proud to be from Texas yeah. and to have the Texas league mean yeah. something yeah. to you. And I'm equally as proud to be a Northwest boy, Pacific Northwest. So to have the Northwest league. Yeah. Very excited. It was and funny I'm, because and they don't have sponsors connected to them yet. I know. it's funny though because last year um i was at a san antonio missions game and i saw they had a 3930 with the texas league logo on it and i bought it and i kind of passively aggressively wore it all over all over the country last year and jessica was like so so you're gonna like does the hat get retired now i was like no i don't know but no but we're glad (laughs) it's it's so good to have it back and you're right there's It, decades of history um, yes. caught up in that. All right. You want to play some little, play a little rapid fire. You got it. Also, uh, I, I got to say this before we end. I love your hat. Thanks for wearing the dust devils hat. Looks good on you. You know, it's funny. This is my new sort of favorite version of hats, right? It's because it's got that. Yes. It's, it's the rubber, the rubber logo. Yeah. I feel like they fit me the best. They look yep. the best on me and I've got about seven of them and I love them. Yeah. I, you know, as a hat aficionado myself, you're right. They're the most comfortable new era 5950s and the logos pop because they're yeah. just kind of brighter. Yeah. I no, I totally dig it. Um, all right. Number one, <clears throat> what is your go-to ballpark food? Hot dog and a Coke. All right. Easy. Boring. I'm yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there's <laughs> classic, not, Thank not you. boring. All right. <laughs> Marvel or DC Marvel. Um, I'm very interested to go see the Batman though. Um, all my students won't stop talking about it. It's excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I, I trust your opinion on movies more than most. So, so the funny thing about me is um, I have to go to the bathroom and movies all the time because I'm having the popcorn and the Coke, right? Like it's just, yeah. I'm, I'm into it. Uh, I've seen the movie twice. It is a grand total of six hours long. I peed once. Whoa. Yeah. I was like, I'm not leaving. It was so Did good. You, you didn't even have to like pee in the cup or anything. Like you held it. <laughs> It's the Alamo <laughs> Draft House. We're classier than that. So <laughs> I didn't think I could get that. All right, you get now. You get a choice of questions to answer. You can either say your strangest thing you've seen at a ballpark, or the first time baseball broke your heart. Either one. Oh, um, uh, well, to stick on the positivity, the positivity vibe, we'll go with the strangest thing. Um, this I need to give a shout out. Um, uh, it's not the strangest thing, but it was the most unexpected thing. A couple of years back, there was a really cute little kid that comes to Dust Devils games. His family are season ticket holders, and he dressed up like me. He got 
the apron, the bow tie, the shoes, the socks, even got like, I wear, I wear like wrist sweatbands on my, on my <laughs> arm. And he was Caden, the peanut guy. And he was the cute, he still is a great kid, but yeah. back then he was the cutest. And then last year, two of my buddies who are older than me or about my age, if not older, um, not by much, but they dressed up like me. And so now we got guys in their like thirties or forties dressing up like me and I can't handle it. Like I, that's so nice of them. So. That is so incredible and gives yeah. me a good idea for later. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> all right. Other than the dust devils, what is your favorite brand in baseball? Ooh. Oh my gosh. I love this question. This is a great question. Well, obviously the Mariners um, I'm a fan of course, but I love that they have a color that is unique to them. The Northwest sure. green teal. Um, so I got to go with that. Um, however, um, the Asheville tourists, man, they, they take the cake. Man. I'm jealous that they're uh, an Astros affiliate now. I'm jealous uh, of you. I wish they were a Mariners or an Angels affiliate now that the Dust Devils are an Angels affiliate. They used to, you know what? When the Dust Devils were a Rockies affiliate mm -hmm. um, for like 14 years, our first 14 years of existence, Asheville was the team right above us in the Rockies system. Oh, wow. And we are the only two teams that Russell Wilson... <sighs> RIP Seahawks, Russell Wilson. Um, they're the only two teams that he played for. So I love the Asheville tourist brand. It's funny. Um, we had a film, we had a film premiere uh, at our festival a couple of weeks ago, and it was on, um, it was about the, about African-American experience in microbrews. And the, the wow. documentary director is a very talented guy and he discovered it on a brewery tour in Asheville. So I rolled up to his premiere in the beer city tourist. Yes. And he was just floored. It was, oh man, it was incredibly epic. Okay. Good job. Uh, question number six, dogs or cats? Dogs for sure. Question number that's, that was five. Never mind. Question number six, star Wars or jaws? Star Wars. I I've watched jaws once or twice, but star Wars reminds me of my dad. Cause he was really into it. He bought okay. me some star Wars action figures when I was a kid. I love that. All right. Kevin Costner as a cowboy or ball player. <laughs> oh man both um i mean this is a cliche answer but baseball player yeah yeah he obviously loves the game and it comes through in the, his movies i joked with ben hill earlier in the show that um we need to write where kevin costner's crash davis is now the manager of a modern mlb team yes. having him have to come out in the theme jerseys and all that yeah. stuff oh just my be gosh it'd be great it writes itself. Wait, 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 wait. I'm on the same show as Ben Hill. Yeah, you are on Woo! the same show as Ben Hill. I've made it. You've, yes. You have made it. Yeah. You. Um, you're also on the same show as Steve Went, who is excited about the California League being back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Steve's going to give me a hard time about that one. All right. Um, when you go to a ballpark, where's your favorite area to sit? Is it behind home plate, first base side, third base side, Ooh. bleachers? Great question. I've found myself doing this like subconsciously and I just caught on to it last summer visiting ballparks. I'll try to get as high up as I can to see the view of the surrounding area. Like you, you came to a dust devils game. And if you sit in the top row, like you, you came up and joined me in the top row, you can see like the scenery, the, the sunset, the beautiful, um, the beautiful vistas. And so I, wherever I go, I, I think I try to get up as high as possible. Yeah. All right. Last question. Um, we are getting ready for the season to start. What is your go-to puts me in the best baseball mood, baseball movie 
Oh, I, I thought you were going to ask for a song. Um, baseball movie. Well, um, Field of Dreams. It's Field of Dreams. Um, but since we're talking about dad here today too a lot, um, and thank you for that. His One of his favorite movies was The Natural. And so um, we, we sometimes watch that around his birthday just to honor him. And that, you know, that movie has got some dark, some dark themes in it. Yeah. But at the end, you feel good. So uh, I'd say Field of Dreams or The Natural. And that is what we're using for the opening music for this segment. So Thank you. Uh, that sounds great. Eric, this has been a blast. It always is. And we'll see you in a few weeks. And until then, good luck uh, with the start of the season. And thanks for being on. Thank you. You too. This is the best part of my week. So thank you, Jim. And now on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. So that does wrap up this episode of Let's Get To. But before we get out of here, we've got some very exciting news for the show. And I think for the entire minor league baseball community, Let's Get To is proud to be a new member of Curved Brim Media. Now, what this means is it's basically a collective of other content creators helping to support each other and helping to hopefully grow all of our brands. Very excited for you guys to check some of these out. We've got an ad at the end of the episode that will tell you where to find everybody and, and all the different stuff that you can learn and experience and participate in that maybe you didn't know about before. Now, no, this doesn't mean that Let's Get To is going to change at all. I mean, that's what I, one of the things I love about the agreement is creative control is still ours. Ownership is still ours. It's really just a way for us to be able to support each other in this very wide abyss of lots of podcasts and lots of content. So check out everybody on the network. There's a link built into this episode. We will be back next week. So until next time, start watching those baseball movies, check out all the other content on Curved Brim Media, and let's get to. Let's Get To is presented by Twitchy Dolphin Media. Executive produced by Jessica Bybee Jedgetts. Produced by Andy Tomchesson, Scott McIntyre, and James Christopher. Associate Producers Andrew Nelson, Timothy Jedgetts, and Jess Canaster. Music by Andy Bertelson, Grace Usselman, and On Holiday. All content created by Let's Get To is the sole property of Twitchy Dolphin Media. All content created by teams covered in the episode are the sole property of the trademark holders. Let's Get To is a proud member of Curved Brim Media. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, I'm James Christopher, host of Let's Get To, and we are going to be taking you on a tour of this great country through the lens of minor league baseball. That's right, from sea to shining sea, we're going to be looking at towns big and small as we explore the greatest game ever invented. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So get on the site and find a team near you today. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. 
What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna Tommaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series, and in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at, at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys, this is James. I cover the Appalachian League, and you can find me on Twitter at MightUpGravely, M-I-C-D-U-P-G-R-A-V-L-E-Y. And I'm Paul Caputo. I tell the story of America, one minor league baseball logo and nickname at a time on the Baseball by Design podcast. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.